But let's jump in, brother. Let's do it. Greetings, my friends. Welcome to Hardwater Radio. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And as always, our mission with this podcast and brand is to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness. And we continue that tradition today with a gentleman named Justin Maxim, who goes by Max. Uh, Justin is a videographer here in town. He owns a company called Vapor Swift Media with a partner. And if you've seen the Feed Me, Fuel Me episodes, you have seen his work. So welcome to the show, man. I'm super stoked to have you on. Appreciate you driving all the way up here. No problem, man. Thanks for having me, dude. So um, let's dive into your story, man. Like um, I first met you, obviously, when you guys invited me down to do Feed Me, Fuel Me. And uh, you set up the cameras and then disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, I think I, I think on your episode, I had, I was so backed up. That was a busy month. I think I was like editing and filming at the same time. So I was really multitasking. <laughs> yeah, dude, we got to get, we got to get one of those fancy switchboards like, like Rogan has it was like 30 grand or whatever it is. <laughs> right. Make everything go a little smoother. But, uh, the no equipment in the video or like podcasting real like that is cheap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anything tech's expensive. No doubt, brother. No doubt. So, um, dude, let's collect a little bit of your story, man. I, um, I obviously had an opportunity to talk to you a little bit off mic before we got started mm-hmm. and obviously your wealth of knowledge, but let's get a little bit of your story, man. You're originally not from the Valley. Is that correct? Nope. From, uh, Akron, Ohio, oh, home man. of LeBron, dude. Uh, Akron, Ohio, bro. Yep. Nice. Yep. Yep. So, um, how was the journey? Um, what did that journey look like to, to end up here? What was your, uh, what was your impetus? So before I moved, I was, uh, I was a bartender. I, I mean, I just, I've been a bartender for a while recently. We'll get into that probably, but recently walked away from my bartending gig. But, uh, yeah, I was bartending. I moved out here when I was 26, 31 now. So it'll be five years in October. Um, it was a weird, it was, it was just like a feeling I had at the time. Like I w- in my early twenties, a, a group of uh, my friends, you know, we always talked about moving. Right. And, and like everybody, <laughs> everybody wants to move to San Diego. Right. And that was our thing. We wanted to go to San Diego. Couldn't tell you why we just wanted to live on the beach pretty much. It's the cold weather. And right. Bro. Right. So, but yeah. the thing was, is like, you know, we all talked about it, but like, was was anybody really down to make that leap? You know yeah. what I mean? I know a lot of people that have talked. Like I've I got I've got ever since I moved out here, I've gotten people that message me about like, oh, you know, I want to move, and I'm like, okay, you know, uh, so why don't you? And then like <laughs> it's always it's always something like, oh, well, like right now is not the right time. I got this job I just got, or like some kind of like excuse, and I'm like, you're not, you're never gonna move. You know what I mean? So, um. Yeah, man. It was just like a feeling I had. I was 26. I was, you know, bartending. And um, originally, again, I was going to go to San Diego. That fell through. And I had a buddy out here, not even like that, a close friend, really. Just I only knew him for like six months, but he's from the same area. He's like, hey, come to Phoenix. And uh, I got a place you can crash and stuff. And I was like, all right, cool. Didn't have a plan. Just packed up my car and uh, rolled out. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Man. I have so much admiration for people who don't behave like plants. You know, it's like you're talking yeah. about like so many people I grew up with are complaining or whining about their situation, but then they act like they don't have the ability to move. Right. You know, I'm like, dude, you're not rooted to the ground. Like mm-hmm. get up and go, you know, pick up and leave. Like it doesn't really cost that much if you, you know, like you said, you had someone somewhere you could crash on their couch. Right. What's the reason not to, right? Right, right. I mean, for me, like the worst case scenario was I had to move back home. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? It was like, exactly. all right, you know. And like how, I had could, how could you bear that, right? Like, right, right. Yeah. So, you know. So rough. Yeah, but it, I made it work, man. That's cool, man. Yeah. So what did you do when you got here and uh, found yourself sitting on the couch there? I was actually surprised because it, it took, like that was the first time that I actually had to really like a- apply actively for a job. And then, that, you know, moving to Phoenix, way bigger city than Akron, right? Like, so like probably double, maybe even more than double. Uh, so, you know, you go, when I go back home, like it's like a lot slower pace, you know what I mean? So 
looking for jobs out here was a lot harder than I thought. I figured, you know, even with a bartending background, I'd be able to go down, get in somewhere. But like, even as a dude in the, in that industry, you know, you got to know somebody, you know, cause you know, not a female, not a, <laughs> not a pretty female, uh, to be working like an old town or anything. You're like pretty that. male so, though, right? Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, I had a hard time even getting bartending gigs. Right. Um, so like two months go by and I saw an opening at Reebok and I was like, this is cool. I'm in the CrossFit world. I can, I can network. I, when I did move out, like it was weird. I did have a motivation, like a really strong motivation to network and like make it work. Right. And then I, obviously as time went on, there was a, there was some time where I think I got too comfortable, which, which happens, you know, but I, uh, get this gig at Reebok, man. And, uh, and then I, I had that goal of, uh, I'm like, okay, I'm here now. I wonder, I wanted to go to the CrossFit games like really bad that year. This was 2015. So it would have been 15 games. You're actually training for the game? No, 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 no. No, I'm not. Never on that (laughs) level. Uh, I just wanted to go. I wanted to spectate because I was just a huge fan, you know. Um, And being so close to Carson, California, if I wasn't going to, if I wouldn't have been able to be there, get there through Reebok, I wanted to uh, get there. I would just go spectate. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, And it's just crazy how like that worked out in that year. That's like one of those like first things I think I manifested because, uh, you know, Jeff mentioned it. He brought it up on the on the feed me feel me. But uh, I I like recently I've been learning like I can manifest shit like really fast. Really? Yeah. And I do have like a process that I go through that I think that helps with that. Okay. So first of all, break down what it, what you mean by manifesting, and then let's talk a little bit about that process. Um, I think a lot of people think that's kind of one of those woo woo concepts. It, yeah. Really, um, not real. You know. Like for me, like when I do manif, so I have I think a vision board is really powerful. So I, I always have a vision board. So I'll uh, print out pictures of certain things that like I want to aim for. Um, the last time I updated it, I have to update it again, but, um, I, my printer kind of took shit on me. So like I, I hand drew <laughs> things. So, and I think this, this is even better because it, it puts more of a focus on it. Cause it's more time. Right. So I hand drew some things, put some color in there and created that and put that on the vision board. Nice. And, uh, I don't know. I felt really good about that, but not only just having the vision board, but like I mix that with like the morning routine as well. So like, uh, when I wake up, I'll do uh, lately it's been 10 minutes. Um, sometimes I'll bump it up to 15 depending on how I feel. Um, but I'll do like a manifestation meditation. Mm. So I'll go on YouTube and I'll find like, you can, you can find anything on there, like with in that room, you know what I mean? So I, ha- I found one that I really like, so it's guided. And uh, sometimes I don't do guided. I'll just, you know, do my own thing. I'll just have like the music. Um, but I'll sit there and I'll visualize what's on my vision board and like visualize, um, what it is that I want to attract. Mm. and uh it just fuck, it just works really well you know what <laughs> i mean i can't explain the how but you're not supposed to worry about the how or the why you know what i mean but uh i just have that vision and then like you know and then shit just happens yeah man like uh example would be uh last well before the games last year so like we'll say a year and a half ago um i put i wanted to go back to the games you know uh so I had that on my vision board. I just had like a, actually it was a 2017 uh, CrossFit Games logo, but I crossed out the seven and put an eight. <laughs> and uh, dude, like literally like a week or two before the games, uh, Durs was like, you want to come with us and do video for the podcast? And I was like, yeah. You know, it almost even slipped my mind, like, but like it showed up. So that was one thing to check off. It's amazing. You know what I mean? I needed like within that same year and a half, like it's crazy. Like I upgraded a camera. I uh, had to get my computer that I used to edit video on just couldn't handle it because it wasn't made for that. It's from like 2009. Mm Then I'm from 2009. Ended up uh, upgrading that, you know, got a a MacBook Pro, like one of the one of the really good ones to be able to handle the video editing. So like and that's why Jeff brought that up, because, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that, you know, within a short amount of time that like just 
popped up in my world, you know? That's cool, man. So. I think a lot of people don't uh, appreciate that because uh, sometimes when you think of manifesting, you think of fancy cars and big houses, right? And lavish mm-hmm. vacations, but you don't think of something as simple as having a, a fantastic computer to work with, right. right? Or better equipment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only thing that's on my vision board in terms of materialistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the camera is obviously business related, right? Sure. Same thing with the the uh, new computer and then the games was just like, you know, that was also business related too. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like meeting new connections and like networking and like just creating more content, you know? So all three of those things are kind of related in that realm. But most of the stuff on my vision board is, is, is like travel related locations. Yeah. You know? Uh, just experiences. That's awesome, man. Yeah. It's fun to cross that stuff off, bro. Oh, like it's crazy. It? And then I, I heard someone talking about a uh, what they call it. It's like a it's like a board that you have where you take the things off the vision board that come true, and then you put it on that board. Okay. So you see what's actually like came into existence. I'm that's like, cool. That's a cool idea. That is a cool idea. Yeah. I thought of that before. I forgot the name of it though. Yeah, we'll have to come up with some fancy like marketing, accomplishment marketing board or term. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The accomplishment board TM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Copyright 2019. <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. That sounds fantastic. So how did you get exposed to that concept, right? Uh, you know, I was sort of behind the curve when I got into, you know, manifesting in the personal mm-hmm. development world. I was probably a little bit older than you are, are mm-hmm. right now, actually. Mm-hmm. So I was a late bloomer. So what was your first uh, sort of exposure to this way of thinking and, and this way of bringing things into your life? Oh, man. It's kind of hard to remember, like, to think of, like, a particular, like, an exact moment. Um, I think it's just an accumulation of a lot of different things. I think I started, like, reading the all the personal development books, I think, when I was, like, 26. You know, like, Think and Grow Rich is a good one. I think that was one of the first ones I, I think I read. And then uh, I would just keep you know finding new books that would just keep popping up um but then but then i got into like i really love like psychological books Mm -hmm. and um they all kind of like say the similar similar things um i'll I'll say so there's a series of books i'm sure they're they're pretty popular i'm sure everybody's most people have heard of them but you know the book uh uh, you are a badass uh i know the book i haven't read it yeah so like i think the author's name is jen sincero i i don't know how to pronounce her last name i think you're right so if i'm butchering it i'm sorry uh (laughs) but she's got she's got she's got a new one she released now she's she's got that one you are a badass and she dives heavily into kind of like manifestation and stuff like that um but then she's got one that's uh the second one is you are a badass at making money Mm. and right when i like right when i started going to crossfit phx and i uh you know got connected with theirs i was in a bad place with money. I just had a, I just had a really bad like uh, mindset with money. Like, right. like I just struggled. I didn't have a lot of it. I was, that's when my car died. You know, there was some like bad shit that was going on that I kind of touched on that article that I wrote. What was your mindset around money? If you don't mind me asking. Um, you know, I, I looked at it as being like an evil thing. Really? Where did that come from? Um, I think, I think it could go pretty deep. I mean, when I first moved out here and then to that point in time, like, you know, I was living paycheck to paycheck, you know what I mean? Like couldn't do a lot of different, a lot of things, you know, I was, I was pretty strapped like always, you know, I mean, I was living in a, I was living in a house with five dudes at one point, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like rent was cheap, but living, like not, I, not living the dream. Right. Right. Uh, so I still, you know, had like, you know, even, even like with cheap rent, like I still didn't have a lot of things, you know, I couldn't do a lot of extra stuff. You know what I mean? I didn't have a lot of money flowing in even working those two, like two jobs. Cause I did get hired at a restaurant at the same time I was uh, working at Reebok. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. I've been on, cause I've been on both ends. Right. So when I was 19, I got hired at the post office. I was a mailman for four years. A lot of people don't know. And, uh, yep. My mom and dad retired from there just recently. And, uh, for, it was a summer job that turned into four years and I was making pretty good money, uh, in terms of like 
most people would consider good money. Sure. Um, I think the best year I had there, I grossed like, I don't know, like 56 K, mm-hmm. you know, for being, you know, 22 years old or 21, whatever old I was at the time. Like, uh, I was miserable though. Yeah. Cause I would, they were, you know, I was, lo- I was the low man. So I was working six days a week, sometimes seven. Mm. There was a lot of other stuff they were making me do that technically wasn't in my title. Really? Oh yeah. Like I could do everything a regular mailman could do in that office. Um, like case the mail, like everything. I wasn't supposed to be doing that. Technically my position was, I was considered a temp. So every year in September, that was like when the fiscal year starts for the post office. Mm-hmm. I couldn't work there for like a week and then they would just bring me back. Right. But, um, I mean, do they, like we had a, I talked about it on feel me. My, we had a supervisor that was just an asshole, right? He was, he got busted for, uh, uh, you know, like morphine patches. Yeah. He had, I think he had a knockoff brand, but he was delivering express mail in his, in his car and he got the postal police were following him, uh, for a while and he was cutting them up and chewing on them. Really? That's a felony. Wow. He got out of it though. Cause he's a veteran. Wow. So they just moved him to a different office. So wow. it was just like a really crazy time. Uh, like, yeah, I made good money back then, but I was miserable. Like, I just wasn't a happy person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All I, everything was centered around work. But I was, I was being so young, I was still conscious enough to see everybody around me. Because, you know, I'm sitting here, 20 years old, early 20s. Closest person to me is 40 years old. And then, it's, and then from there, it's like 50 years old, 55. You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. I couldn't relate to anybody. But, like, I was able to observe my surroundings. I've always been really good at that. And seeing how everybody was in really bad health, uh, like you know they didn't seem happy to me you know what i mean like they would have looked like they would have rather been doing other things so it like you saw a glimpse of your future you oh yeah there. kind of yeah <laughs> i'm like no nah, i was like I, I knew that wasn't me like i i used to for my lunch breaks i used to you know park the mail truck and i'd sit there and i'd be like i didn't know what i was going to do i kind of i kind of i always had like a business oriented mind i just didn't know like where what to do or how i was going to do anything because mm-hmm. like you know my parents both being from the post office it's like they know nothing about business you know what i mean like you you just kind of like follow those footsteps usually you know right so uh i just knew that wasn't going to be me and then when i decided i decided to walk away from the post office i was 23 and people thought i was nuts because i was leaving the money behind you know what i mean <laughs> i guarantee if i if you i could have audio behind i guarantee if i had audio of like people talking about that behind my back they're probably like he's an idiot <laughs> you know what i mean but i was like nah so i left i left the post office to go play football because i wanted to play college football and i did that for a year Nice. Until I realized that I was paying way too much money for school. <laughs> Where did you end up going to college? It was a little division three school in West Virginia called Bethany college. Okay. And, uh, I played a year of football there. I mean, I had fun. I had a blast. I got the experience I wanted, but it was also 30 grand a year. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, it's, yeah. that's a car. Yeah. My brother played uh, <laughs> uh D three ball at Presbyterian in South Carolina. Yeah. Same deal. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Crazy. Yeah. It was pretty much just like high school. I got my experience. <laughs> they, they, they picked favorites and everything and all that stuff surprisingly there's still some really good athletes at that level still oh yeah for sure so it makes you appreciate the division one level and how athletic those people are yeah and and two like on that level you can see the politics start to develop Mm -hmm. right whoever your last name is who you're related to it makes a difference in your playing time and also where you get to play on the field we had a running back who was really good and uh he had like four kids and like the head coach put him up in a house like near campus just so he could play (laughs) and it was like i mean is it really at this level, is, yeah. that, is it really worth it? You know? Well, you can't do scholarships on D3, right? No. But, but no. you can do what they call grants. Right. So right. maybe that was. Oh, yeah. He got taken care of. I'm sure. He was pretty good, though. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. yeah. He helped you guys put some points on the board. I'm yeah, sure. he did. Yeah. Awesome. So you went to school. You Well, you left the post office. You went to school, mm-hmm. right? You saw your future. I can relate to that story, dude, because 
uh, I went to college when you were making 50 grand a year, I was making probably four bucks an hour doing nothing, you know, for the, <laughs> the university of Georgia. But, um, I did my practicum and I saw my future. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I have a degree in mathematics education and I went to do my practicum and I taught for six weeks in a public school. And I was like, there is no way in hell I'm going to be <laughs> that guy. Right. And I, I literally saw my future and that did it for me. I'm like, I was never going to be a teacher on that level ever mm-hmm. had to get out of there. So I can totally relate to that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I can also relate to like, you know, having some fear around not moving. Like you talked about have your, how your, your friends that you grew up with or whatever kind of talked about getting out, but never really did. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it's fantastic that you were able to do that, go somewhere. And now here you are at a college playing some ball, mm-hmm. right? Taking on all these different decisions that maybe someone your age would, would maybe have some fear around doing. So what was that experience like for you? Of just making those decisions? Yeah. Of stepping out there, man, putting yourself out there. Man, I, I like never, it never really bothered me, man. I, I remember one, one good thing my mom used to do. She always like when I was younger and I think she brought it up the other day, cause she's in town and, uh, she always kind of preached like when I was younger, not to follow anybody. Mm. Um, and I think not, not, not realizing that, I think that was like in my subconscious, but I've always think I've been someone who's kind of just did my own thing. Never followed the pack. That's a huge lesson, man. You know I mean? And your mom was all about that. Yeah. She was very big on that when I was younger. Where did she get that from? Or why, why, why do you think that was so prevalent in her consciousness? I have no idea why she preached that. Um, yeah, I have, I'd have to ask her actually. I'll yeah. see her later today. So yeah. I'll have to ask her why she preached that. For sure. I don't know, but For it's sure. definitely a good thing. Good thing to preach. You know? Yeah, definitely. You, you coined the term, right? We're going to say you coined the term societal timelines, right? So this <laughs> right. kind of touches on that, right? Yep. So she's telling you, Hey dude, don't jump into one of these societal timelines. Right. Essentially. Yeah. But at, at the same time, man, and I've noticed this with baby boomers because my dad's the same way. Like my dad doesn't, you know, both, both my mom and my dad will like, my mom will always support everything I do. Right. But there are questions that come, come through. Like they, they seem to worry about things a lot mm-hmm. in terms of like, Oh, you're leaving your job. Well, what are you, how are you going to pay rent? Are you going to, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not going to worry about it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so they kind of do have that mindset, but, um, and I think, I think a lot of the older generation, you know, they, they fall accustomed to the societal timeline cause that's what they did. Mm-hmm. But the two generations are just so different nowadays. Totally. So um, tell everybody listening what you mean by societal timelines. I think it's fairly self-explanatory, yeah. but just in case. It's basically just timestamps on your life that like you should be doing this by a certain age. Mm. You know, uh, graduate high school, you should go to college. Uh, after college, you need to find that dream job, you know, find that partner, get married, you know, that kind of thing. Have kids. Mm-hmm. You know, because as soon as a couple gets married, what's the first thing everybody in the family is saying? They're like, so when, uh, when are you going to have kids? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there's like a pressure there. But I think it kind of sets people up for uh, failure a little bit because then they get past that. You know, I used to say when I was 17, it's funny, my mom found like this thing we did in high school recently where like you had to write uh, like your future out, like what you wanted. And apparently when I was 17, I said I'd be married with kids by 27. Really? Why I wrote that down, I have no idea. But uh you know, I remember like hitting 27 and it's like when you're 17, like you think that's an eternity, mm-hmm. but really it's like, it's a blink of an eye. Totally. You know what I mean? Um, but I think a lot of people like, like live by that timeline. And then when it doesn't happen is when I think they maybe force themselves in bad situations or, you know, kind of get depressed about it. Mm-hmm. But really it doesn't matter at all. You know what I mean? Like you can do whatever the hell you want. You know, you don't have to follow anybody. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big difference between what someone can do and what they will do though. Right. Right. I think that's the big, uh, 
the big sticking point for most folks. It's like, Hey, well, you could do this, but are you really serious about making it happen? Right. Are you willing to take a step Mm -hmm. into something that you're unfamiliar with or you don't really know well, right. And you don't know how it's going to turn out. Mm -hmm. But I I like the way you framed it earlier. You're like, you know, what's the worst case scenario? I go live at home. Right. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing. Like, man, when you're young, you have no excuse not to Mm -hmm. take every opportunity every chance because i mean the penalty for failure is so minimal right like it so minimal like just fucking go for it right jesus christ man it's so frustrating to watch people sit back and complain and and be in these crappy situations that they don't really want to be in yeah and it's and that's kind of like the mindset now like walking away from the restaurant uh and jumping into the whole entrepreneur game i guess you know trying to build this media company it's like i've already i've already ate some shit being out here you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so it's like i made it through that so if I have to eat some more, it's like, Who cares? whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah I'm, and I'm, I a, sing, I'm a single dude. Like, you know, I touched on this on the, on feed me, feel me, but like one of the, one of the things that is big right now for me. And, uh, I think being alone is like super important. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are scared to sit by themselves and be alone. Mm. You know, um, I know people that jump from, I mean, male and female, they jump from relationship to relationship, you know? And it's like, I, it's hard for me to, uh, understand that you know it's like dude like you haven't dealt with your own shit yet you know what i mean like you're just giving yourself to somebody like i don't like i, I don't i have a hard time comprehending like that you know so but i, th- I think being alone is just super super important you know what i mean like for if sure. i if i was the like being like you know because i've been single for a long time and uh i think it i think i needed it because if i would if i would have jumped into something like in my early 20s or like even mid 20s like i don't i think it would have been destructive Mm. you know how so though destructive in what way i just don't think i was in a, in a place to you know i think i just like most people i think you know i kind of lived in the past still mm. with some things you know i didn't know how to not do that and be present you know uh, i worried about things you know just totally different mindset mm. than where i'm at now gotcha gotcha yeah. so the, the whole alone thing uh when you mentioned that man my bells went off because that's exactly how I feel. Mm -hmm. I feel like, uh, it's completely undervalued, especially by some of the younger generation. Mm -hmm. But, um, what was it that led you to feel that way? Have you always felt that way about being alone? Yeah. I guess I've always kind of been about the importance of it. Oh, oh. um, I guess, I guess it's something I've just been reflected on lately, you know? Uh, and then being observant of like of other people, you know, um, being like, especially business wise, man, I mean, you're kind of alone in business, right? It's only you every day. Right. So it's like, I know, like I'm, I'm, I think I'm capable of handling the pressure that comes along with that Mm -hmm. because of being alone and and being in my own shit and like, you know, going through rough times, you know what I mean? Do you find yourself spending a lot of time in your head though? That was, that was something that, uh, well, it's being a creative. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, me and Jeff talk about all the time, like a lot of creatives and, and this is why I value Jeff so much because he's, he's really analytical. He's, he's, he's a creative too, but he's really good at business. Right. Yeah. Very measured. Yeah. So like my weakness, like a lot of creatives is on the business front. You know what I mean? Uh, cause there's a lot of artists out there that, that just are very talented, but they can't do the business aspect. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They'll give away their shit for free. And it's like, dude, you could, you could be making really good living off. You know what I mean? So like I relate to that. And then that's like one of those weaknesses I've been trying to, uh, change, you know, and, being in that circle with like Jeff and Durge and stuff, it's really nice to learn that business aspect because I knew it's a weakness and something I got to work on still, even now, like I, I still got to build that because I have the creative part down, but none of that matters if I don't, you know, get the business up to par. Everything's about homeostasis in my mind. Sure. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it comes back to that, uh, idea of money programs, mm-hmm. you know, like what do you value yourself as 
-hmm. you know, how do you see yourself showing up in the world and what is the proposition you're offering? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's funny when you watch people with money programs ask for money, Mm -hmm. like everything about them changes. They close off. Like you can sense it. This this energy just changes and like money runs from fear. Right. It runs from fear. So people who carry those money programs, when they ask for the money, mm-hmm. it comes across as a need as opposed to a give. Like, yes, I'm going to provide you the service. I'm going to give you the service in exchange for some form of value, whatever right. that value is. Is that something that you've had to contend with? Yeah. I mean, even, even like, uh, get, <laughs> and, and there's this funny, cause like there's been, you know, some people off the podcast that, you know, need some video work done. And like for a for a while there, it was, I, it was hard for me to like, cause everybody's different. Every production company's different and, you know, in their pricing, you know what I mean? Like what they offer. And, uh, it was hard to like price things out because not every video is the same. And me and me and, uh, my business partner, Kaylala, we call him K we're kind of on the same page. We don't think everybody's the same when it comes to video production. Every video is different. Every, like the work that goes into each video is different. It just really depends. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might be able to narrow that down, but we don't think like a one size fits all approach is like something that works for everybody. Right. In that room. So how do you go about it? Just uh, spend a little bit more time in the consulting yeah. phase? Yeah. Kind of see what they want. You know what I mean? And we're kind of big on like subscription. So like we would like to work with people and help them like create what they want, you know, month to month if that's possible. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a huge need for that, man. Like, what do you see in the marketplace video-wise? I mean, obviously, in terms of marketing, it's extremely important nowadays. Mm -hmm. It's it's obviously the highest converting medium. Yeah. But, um, you know, what are you seeing in terms of marketplace and need and and desire and want? Um, Well, a lot of people want video. And, like, I kind of talked about this uh, on the other podcast. But a lot of people want it. But I don't think people, when they see, like, some of the pricing for the video i think it turns them off but like i had i had a buddy do this too um when people see a video say it's like two minutes long they see that and they're like i want it you know what i mean and then like they they find somebody and then they're like wow this is this is expensive but like they all they see is the two minute video they don't see and then, and then like they might see like if they were to see on set like what's filmed like the finished product like there's just so much that goes on before you even get to that two that final two minutes you know what i mean right um you know I think the general rule, I'm trying to think, I always butcher this, uh, this stat, but like for every hour of video you shoot, I think you want to leave, it's like three hours or, or three to five hours of, of editing time like mm-hmm. per video. Like it's very tedious. You know what I mean? There's a lot that goes into it. So, uh, you know, that price is, you're, you're, you got to take that into account. Sure. And the equipment you're filming on because you're, you're putting use on your equipment. The equipment's not cheap. So you're kind of renting that as well. You know, there's just a lot of like little factors that people have to understand. But that's just part of the consulting you know, portion. You know what I mean? Just yeah. getting people to understand that and the value that, it, that there is behind it. Sure. Yeah. There's a huge education opportunity there, I believe. You know, I think uh, I've done a little bit of video editing and it sucks. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. It's terrible. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan either. <laughs> it's honestly. terrible. And yeah, like you said, like someone sees two minutes of video or like you and I were talking about off mic, like I need a 30 second spot that might take us, who knows, eight hours to film to just to get 30 seconds Mm. and then edit it and all this fun stuff and travel and lugging equipment to and fro. Right. Cause you're not going to, everything you shoot, I mean, God, I can't even tell you. It's the majority of it's going away. Yeah. A lot of it, you're not even being used. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It is crazy, bro. So how did you get involved with uh, the video thing to begin with? That wasn't your your first target, was it? Well, it's crazy because like growing up, we had a video camera at the house, you know, early 90s. And uh, we would take it on vacation with us and stuff. And, you know, growing up, like when I was maybe like junior high, uh, 
we were me and some friends we were just you know being being stupid we used to, we were big in the wrestling so like we had the trampoline and we would i'd bring the camera out and we would record like wrestling matches and stuff like that and uh, we would do skits like even back then we'd make these stupid skits i remember one i wonder if i have it back home somewhere it's got to be on a tape somewhere i would probably cry if i watched it but uh we were acting like we were i don't know like ghetto and we were like jumping somebody stealing their shoes i don't know it was it was really dumb but we did like dumb skits like that back then so I didn't, I didn't piece this together until recently, but like, you know, it's just weird how things work out because doing that back then, like I always wanted to like edit those together and stuff. Didn't know how to do it back then because those video cameras were on like the tape, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, that kind of followed me like even, even, you know, out of high school where I'd be the guy with the video camera on vacation, spring break. And I would just have that thing out and I would create a video out of it and, kind of did some weird shit and then you know with it like you know people were like friends were like dude this is you're, you're a weirdo but then at the end they're like you know what no this is awesome keep doing it you know so i guess i always like had you know i, I it was always there i just never pursued it until later because i just didn't know mm. you know what i mean i mentioned before we started today that like uh i actually have a, i have an idea to write a book geared towards kids in high school um because I don't think I don't think adults, parents, whatever. I, I don't like. I remember going through high school and like nobody. Everybody just pushed college on you. Nobody taught you about what student loans really were, what an APR is. They're just like, go to school. You can go by, by doing this. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of things that need fixed back then. But like, I didn't know I was a creative until late because nothing in high school told me that I was creative. Hmm. Like nothing I did that brought that out. You know, some kids might find that. You know. But well, not, not, I mean, I didn't. Well, nothing you did in school, but obviously things you were doing outside of school. Right? True, true. But I never thought about doing that as a career. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That yeah. never crossed my mind. Yeah. I wonder, was that, do you I think didn't that, know it was a thing. Yeah, but do you think that was because it wasn't part of the schooling piece and where schooling is sort of considered, hey, this is foundational to your career? Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's interesting, man. Yeah. Yeah, because it sounds like you had, you know, pretty deep passion for it even going back yeah, in the day. I think my biggest focus too, like looking back there, like coming out of high school, I really wanted to play football. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it didn't happen. So when that didn't happen right away, uh, I think that kind of put me in a little depressed state. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. like friends are moving away. It was just like a weird time. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? So like I remember, you know, I just did, it was just, a, yeah, a weird transition, like graduating and then being thrown to the real world you know what did you do during that time period like what was your transition like you said oh, people man. were moving away i guess they were going Dude, to college and stuff yeah so like this is one of those things that my mom did that probably wasn't smart but she <laughs> she uh she never remarried but she had a boyfriend for a very very long time like they're still together but she had moved in with him i got the house and this is about the same time I started uh, getting hired at the post office. I got the house and I had roommates and we tore that house apart, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I, it ended up, it ended up getting to the point where like my house was known. Like I, I was in the, I'd started drinking. I was, I was really big. I didn't do any drugs though. I didn't even smoke weed back then. I was actually really against it at the time. Um, I still don't, but like I, I, I'm neutral. I don't really care either way. Um, but like we would just, I, it disgusted me how much alcohol I was drank in those years of like 19 to whatever you know 23 25 mm -hmm. but uh, i was known for all my all my friends would come over i friday night was like guys night so like we would just get a bunch of beer you know do whatever get really shit faced saturday was like everybody can come so everybody knew like my house was like the party house and uh 
that's why we tore it apart because <laughs> nobody nobody has respect for anybody's shit when you're throwing yeah. parties you know what i mean that's like the perfect storm you're like kid like making decent money yeah right, young and then here you are unsupervised uh, <laughs> in yeah. someone's home dude that's why when people give some of these uh young like nfl players or whoever like they give them oh like they're making you know all this they're millions of dollars you know and they like start to give them shit it's like man if I was given a million dollars at 20 years old, I'd probably be an asshole too. <laughs> yeah. You'd be ruined. <laughs> totally ruined. Yeah. That's a good analogy though, man. I didn't even think about it. Cause there was a kid in my, my, my high school was similar. You know, it was always, his house was party house every mm-hmm. weekend and everybody knew you just show up, show yeah. up, you know, there was no invitation sent. Just go. Yeah. But that's exactly it, man. No supervision and shit went crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was still pretty tame compared to some other ones I've been to, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, man. But like looking back though, there are like some good things like, man, I was kind of, I was technically like an event planner in a way, you know what yeah. I mean? I was like, I was like planning out these parties and, you know, like dude, one time we, uh, we built it literally within like eight hours. We decided we were going to have a beach party. We turned, we, we literally built my basement, like half, the, well, the one side of it, we, we built it into a beach. No way. Like yeah. with sand and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it stayed there for literally like a year. Really? Oh yeah. Oh geez. Yeah. So your mom was never even around? Uh, thank God she wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming she would not have put up with some of that stuff. She's actually pretty laid back. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Dude, so um, the drinking thing, man, I think a lot of kids fall down that rabbit mm-hmm. hole. Is that something that, uh, um, you know, you saw like heavily prevalent coming yeah, up? Yeah, for me, for sure. Um, I think it was the way I dealt with everybody leaving away, uh, go, you know, going away, you know, a breakup, you know, those like, those young high school breakups, you know what I mean? Yeah. That ended really badly. Yeah, dude. Like I, I think like looking back and I already told you this off uh, before we started, but like, I, I want to bring it up because I think it's, I think people can relate to it. <clears throat> uh, and if another thing that falls into the societal timeline, right? Mm-hmm. Like you graduate high school, you go to college and it, it's like a norm for people to go party, get hammered, you know, like, you know, do whatever, you know, it's looked at as just being young. But like, for me, I look back and I'm like, no, I was just a super insecure person, uh, not confident in anything in myself. You know what I mean? Uh, probably didn't like myself very much. You know, I was like, I always fluctuated within weight. Like when I was a kid, I was kind of big, lost weight in high school. Um, I was in the powerlifting though. So like, and I continued out of high school, but like I didn't watch what I ate or anything. And I blew up real, real big. Like the biggest I ever was, was like 270. Um, and that was like kind of in that, in that stage too. Right. So powerlifting, eating like shit. Cut, throw alcohol on top of that um so like i think i was just like in a very like unhappy place at that time and i told mm-hmm. you i was working for the post office so, like there was a lot of, there was a lot of stress there that i let you know get to me uh working so much and uh you know working six days a week i had one day one day a week really to uh kind of have fun and uh i definitely took advantage of that or what i thought was fun anyway sure um but yeah i, I think the alcohol was just a way to cover up insecurities or having to deal with real shit. Do you remember, or can you think back to some of those uh, insecurities that you would verbalize to yourself in your head? Um, like, you know, do, you, do you I remember th- any specifics? I think the weight thing was huge because, uh, I mean like whenever I did start my weight loss journey or whatever, like I didn't know how big I was until I saw this one particular photo. Oh, and really? it's usually the photo I show everybody. I'm like, this was my oh shit moment. This was where I was like, all right, I got to fucking do something. You still have a copy of that photo? Oh, I do. I can show you. I'll have to get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to ignore the costume I'm wearing. So it was like, it was like, a, it was like a sixties party or something. And I went, I went, I went hard, uh, in my costume. What other way would you go? Right. Right. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think like, uh, definitely the weight thing, you know, brought some insecurity and stuff like that. Did you find people like making fun of you because of your weight? No, I think that was just, just me. I mean, you know, 
just with the parties and everything. And just, I knew a lot of people, you know what I mean? Like, um, I also came off very, like if you had asked some people back then, um, I think they would probably say, I, I, I might've came off as a dickhead, you know what I mean? Cause I had this thing back then where I was like, uh, very, like I took pride in being an asshole, if that makes sense. Right. So like maybe I would uh, have a zero filter and like say things, you know what I mean? But I think that was just a reflection of myself. Mm. looking back you know that was kind of part of the deal i think right so perpetual tourette syndrome yeah. just saying whatever yeah you know what i mean yeah not being responsible for how that communication right, right right yeah that's that's not a good way to go no i can relate really. to that yeah, yeah for sure yeah so <laughs> i think that was all like mixed together you know but i think i think i think there's tons of kids that are, are in that position you know coming out of high school and mm-hmm. i don't think anybody talks about it because they think it's normal you mean the drinking thing specifically? Like all, all that stuff. Or just being having those insecurities? Both. Yeah. 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 Because like, alcohol is like a social right? sociable drug, right? People yeah. people don't even refer to it as a drug. So like uh it's just socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. But uh it's like the easiest thing you can get your hands on to just make everything go away. But it's all short term. Definitely. You know? Yeah, I mean I mean it's certainly a way to sedate, right? Right. Like to sort of tune out. And mm-hmm. I think uh you know, when you're, especially a young man going through that time period, mm-hmm. you don't have anything, you know, you're supposed to have anything or you're supposed to have some, some prospects on the horizon, right. maybe girlfriends, whatever cars. Mm-hmm. In your case, you had quite a few, mm-hmm. you know, material things going on, Yeah. but you were struggling with a different type of insecurity. Right. right. But I think a lot of people who probably weren't on your level were joining in just so that they didn't mm-hmm. have to deal with, you know, looking at themselves as well. I know that was the case for, for a lot of the kids that yeah. I grew up with. And you know, another thing too, is like when I got involved with the post office, uh, you know, making that, that, you know, what was considered good money. Um, it, I was money driven at that point in time, more so than when I had the negative relationship, you know, I was just talking about it during my move out here. Um, it, that the good thing about the post office is it showed me that like, cause I thought that money would make me happy. Mm. So I got a glimpse very, very young that like it doesn't. So that was like a positive takeaway for me. And that's why I credit this, uh, going to the post office as, as like crucial to like where I'm at now and, and kind of like how I view money, you know what I mean? Like knowing that no material object is ever going to make you happy and happy is all being happiness is all internal. Dude, yeah. that's such a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a huge takeaway. I think uh, a lot of people who don't get that until later in life realize it too late. Mm-hmm. You got it early on. So you're able right. to kind of steer the ship in a different direction. That's why like, I'll never, you hear, I hear people do it all the time. I kind of just touched on it a little bit. Like you'll hear like adult, like older dudes and stuff like hate on athletes or, 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 or like business people for making millions of dollars. And it's like, dude, like you have a professional, let's say NFL player and, and like you playing division three football and like seeing, seeing like what they have to go through at division one level mm-hmm. physically every day for their, like their whole life. Like, nah. And the fact that like, you know, playing a professional sport doesn't last forever. It's a short period of time. It's like, I'm never going to shit on an athlete for making millions of dollars because they're putting in some crazy physical work that like you're not even seeing 365 days a year. Yeah. They're breaking themselves. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, right. That's what they're doing. Yeah. And it's funny. The people that bitch about that are the same people that watch them on Sunday. <laughs> right. Drinking beer, <laughs> wearing their Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're funding, they're funding the enterprise and complaining about it at the same time. Yeah, it doesn't no make sense. any sense. So I'll never shit on anybody for making money because like for the most part, I mean, people who are making like really good money, like there's a lot of work that went into it. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, you have your odd trust fund baby, Mm -hmm. but that's the exception rather than the rule. I think a lot of people don't see it that way, though. They think that just, you know, I know know in my house money was something other people had, right? Right. And so I always thought that these people were special or different. I didn't realize it was just the exchange of value. 
Mm-hmm. And because we don't talk about it in school, like right. kids are socialized in school, you know, what are they supposed to think when they graduate? Right. You know, there's nothing really other than, Hey, you know, you've got something I don't have. You're special. I'm not, mm-hmm. maybe I'm never going to have that thing. Yeah. So it's kind of sad to see. Yeah. And it's crazy too. Like for me, cause, uh, you know, my mom, my mom and dad got divorced really young, but like, you know, my mom worked for the post office. Uh, she was a single mom with my sister. My sister's seven years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know, like my mom spoiled, she spoiled us. And I didn't know how like, I was spoiled until like, you know, maybe like in my teenage years, like I didn't know that people didn't have the same Christmases or like, you know what I mean? I was just unaware of it. Um, what was cool was though, I was able to like see that at that age. And when, when I did start working with the post office, I just became very independent, like real quick. Like I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. which is weird because I feel like a lot, some people in that situation might not turn out that way. Definitely not. You know what I mean? Um, so I've always been able, I just always like had this urge to like take care of my own shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, there had to be something that your parents gave you though to, to at least start steering you down that path, right? Because like you said, that's not the natural result of pretty much being spoiled to a certain degree and then well, landing in a house I, and, and having a great actually, job. Actually, I think, I think part of it is, um, back. So like, I didn't talk to my dad for like almost a decade. Really? Right. And it was my fault, but it took me a while to kind of like admit that. Mm. But the good thing was, is like when I started realizing it, I was still pretty young and now like even, you know, I'm still young, but like I can admit it now. Like it doesn't bother me. Like I'm not scared to say like I fucked up, you know what I mean? But like, cause it was over something stupid. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. I was like eight. So from eight to 18, I think I didn't talk to my dad. Really? Yeah. But it, so, and it was so all, was this, what because was this I was, I was, I was fucking spoiled. Right. I live with my mom and my mom, listen, my mom meant well, right. She just wanted the best for, she was the oldest of like six sisters. Right. Sure. She, you know, kind of dealt with some shit with her, you know, with her parents and stuff like that. So like, she just wanted to have a good, us to have a good life. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally get that. We didn't make a lot of money by any means. She's just a typical consumer. She just bought shit, still buy shit that she probably doesn't need. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, um, you know, I'm grateful for that. You know what I mean? I grew up good, you know? Um, but in this circumstance, there's a negative where like, I didn't talk to my dad cause I went to a, like a minor league baseball game in, in the Akron. They were the Akron arrows at the time. And, uh, I, I remember like, I wanted, I wanted like this baseball glove or something stupid. And he said, no. And I threw this massive temper tantrum that lasted for 10 years. But the thing was like, I wasn't even like, as that time came, like, I remember thinking back then, like, I wasn't even mad. It was just kind of like an act. It's like, I don't, I don't know what to do now. Like, you know what I mean? Like you didn't have the tools. Right. Right. So, uh, when I was like 18, you know, he always tried to like, you know, go out to eat stuff like that. He had a relationship with my sister, even though, uh, we have different dads. Um, and I, uh, I just wasn't, I wasn't mad anymore. I knew it was my fault, you know? And then we started building that relationship again. My sister got married in 2008. He was at the wedding. But at that time we had, I'd started talking to him and like now, like we're good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But like, it was cool. Cause I was able to like take that situation at a young age and like get over it. And like, but like now I look back, I mean, I'll, I'll tell the story. I mean, this is probably the first time I've told it to anybody. Nobody knows really, but, um, it was totally my fault just being a spoiled kid. You know, How did but that, you? That, that's like, that sucks for my dad though. Cause that's like, that's a lot of years. I mean, he's remarried. I got a brother, but that's a lot of years to not talk to your parent over something that he didn't even do. That's a lot of years. Yeah, for sure. Like he just wouldn't buy me something, which was good. I didn't need it. Right. Materialistic. That's maybe that's why I'm not a material, materialistic person really these days. It could be. Could very well be. So how did you heal that relationship? Did you reach out to him or did he reach out um, to you or how did it work? I think he probably asked. 10 years is a long time. It was a a while ago. Um, I think uh, I agreed to go get some food with my sister and him. And that's kind of how we, you know, and then it went from there. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah and then I started like coming around there. and I like, you know, we're cool. You know, I go over there. Like when I'm back home, we play horseshoes with like his friend. Well, it's kind of weird for him. A lot of his friends are starting to pass away. Like he lost a lot of friends like recently. But like before I moved, we started, I met a lot of them. We were playing like uh, horseshoes and stuff. That's like the thing they used to do and stuff like that. But I would always mm-hmm. go over there. But like we have a pretty, pretty good relationship now. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So it was never and I didn't like... even, so I didn't even meet my brother until he's, we're 10 years apart. So like. I didn't even meet him until he was like eight. <laughs> yeah. So wow. we, I've never been really close with him, which is, I mean, it's probably partially, I, I'll take the blame for that. Cause like I could reach out and like do, th- you know what I mean? But like, uh, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It's, you know, it's definitely awkward, you know? Cause like we weren't around, we have the age gap, two completely different people, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But now I live out here. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. That's interesting, man. You know, everybody's got one of those family saga things. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. I know it's I know it's true in my family and your family, mm-hmm. but you guys never had to have that formal sort of coming yeah. to Jesus talk where it's like, hey man, <laughs> you know when I was eight years old, yeah, yeah. you know I yeah. was really pissed off that you didn't buy me this baseball glove. Right, right. You just kind of like let it wash away. Yeah, very cool, yeah. very cool. So when you were uh, going through this time period, right, where you were living by yourself, you're making decent money with the post office. Mm-hmm. What was your sort of impetus to leave that, right? Because ultimately you did. You went to college, right? Right. Played a little football. Mm-hmm. Then what happened after that? Uh, I came back, and you know, when I was playing football, like my uh, roommate at the time, really cool dude. I, I don't even know how to get in touch with him now, but uh, um, he was like, "Man, he's like, you should," because uh, we were working out, you know. And I like I started piloting at a young age um, with uh, my buddy. My buddy's dad was like basically our personal trainer, and I got into piloting when I was like fifth grade. You know, mm-hmm. that was uh, when I got into the weightlifting. And um, he was like, man, he's like, you should go be like a personal trainer. And I had never thought about it before. I'm like, hmm. I mean, I enjoy it, you know? So then like I went to the University of Akron uh, leaving Bethany College. And uh, what happened was they threw me like, so anat- the anatomy courses at that college in, because I was in physical therapy before. That's what I was going to do, physical therapy. But when I was at Bethany, I feel like they just throw you in classes that are like the hard ones right off the rip. Some they of these do. colleges, dude, because like, uh, they threw me in organic chemistry, which apparently everybody struggles with at least the first time, right? Uh, that very first semester and I was at, uh, Bethany college and I literally, it was the hardest D I've ever like earned before because <laughs> like I would go to the study groups and all that stuff. I, it would just not register in my head. And I, I, like, I just struggled. The teacher was kind of hard to learn from. She, I think she was one of those teachers who like understood it, but like had a hard time, like, teaching it to other people. Right. Um, I think she hated athletes too. I don't know. I just got Always that a bonus. I just got that vibe from her. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I struggled in that. And then I went and took this anatomy course, you know, back for Akron to, to be able to do the personal train, uh, the exercise science and all that. And, uh, they cram you in a room full of 300 people for the lecture part portion. And then you had the lab, the lab portion was cool. Cause it was, uh, you know, smaller classes, but like I couldn't, it was hard for me to learn in an environment with 300 people and that one professor, like I just did not do well. You know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, I figured I would go to a community college instead to really hammer those, uh, anatomy courses down because like they, what was cool about that, uh, it's called Stark state college. It's in Canton, Ohio. Um, for lab, you actually, they, they're like one of the only schools that have cadavers. Mm. So you can go dissect, dissect, you know, dissect these, uh, cadavers. Wow. And really learn, like, see the muscles, like, uh, and, like real. That's pretty amazing. And uh, so I went there, did really well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just joined the massage therapy program. because so I'm like, well, this will probably help with, uh, you know, I could just double down. 
do the massage therapy and exercise science afterwards, you know? So and I, and gonna, I, you were going to double, I was going to do both. I was okay. going to get the massage done and then go back and do, uh, exercise science. Mm. Just doing both. But, um, uh, one day I had finished anatomy too and I got out of there and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, man, like this isn't even fun. Like, what am I doing this for? And I think part of it's because like in my family, we have one of my aunts is a doctor, one aunt is a nurse. Like there's a lot of people in the medical field. And I just thought maybe like that's where I'd go, like something like relative to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I told you this, you know, every, when I was in the massage, I was in the massage therapy program before I moved out here to Phoenix and every day I'd walk by the video room. I didn't even know they had a video production at this college. Right. Every day though, I'd walk by it and in my head, I'd be like, damn, that looks kind of cool. You know, <laughs> but I'd already changed my major so many times. I was kind of like, man, to, like to pick up and change it again. I'm like, man, that would be kind of a lot, you know, but then, uh, you know, I just got this feeling, this urge to, uh, just, I just wanted to move. I just wanted to get away. West Virginia, when I played ball, wasn't, wasn't long enough and it wasn't far enough. Mm. So I just wanted to like, I just had an urge to get it, get away, man. And originally it was going to be San Diego that fell through and, uh, ended up here in Phoenix mm. and like I'm kind of glad I did because it all worked. It's all working out right now. You totally, know? totally. So, how did you get involved with uh, your partner and then get uh, Vapor Swift off the ground? How did that come to be? So, I uh, got to give credit to PHX and Thurs again because uh, Kaylala is a member at uh, PHX and Thurs is always connecting people, right? And uh, I like I, I didn't know Kay like personally really because like he would go, he would go to the classes at night. I would always be kind of like in the morning, and then one day. Uh, they're just like, Hey, I got to connect you and, and Kay. Cause Kay would always come in and do like, uh, like the Friday night lights for the open. He mm-hmm. would do those videos. I would usually be working. So like, I would never be there to film those things. And he would work with uh, Caitlin, our macro or our nutrition coach. And, uh, another guy that goes to the gym who's into, uh, real estate investing. Um, so, you know, they're just like, Hey, you guys should collab. And, you know, I used to kind of think of like the, vi- there's a lot of video companies out there. Right. And I used to kind of think of it as competition, but now it's like, I think there's a piece for everybody. You can only do so much, even like even in the fitness space, like like you can only do so much. I mean, there's so many people out there and so many, like one person's not going to be able to fill everybody's need. Yeah. I mean, there's a thousand people doing what you want to do, no matter right. what you want to do. Right. Right. So yeah. it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Totally. And like, you know, in, 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 the, in any creative space, um, if you really want to like do it well and do it big, I think you have to have a team. There's just no way around it. 100%. Like a one, a one man band can only get you so far. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, you talked to, you mentioned it earlier, there's the time consuming nature of doing video mm-hmm. and then the editing piece. Yep. I mean, that alone is a full-time job if you've got business coming through the front door. Right. Yeah. Um, I, one thing I really like though is you get a bunch of creative people in a room. It's just kind of cool to see totally. the ideas being thrown around. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's great. Just like what you can create. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's cool because uh, no one really says no. It's right, just like, right. oh, let's explore that. Right. Because one, one, another creative is going to see something different than you. And you're, you'll be like, oh, shit. Like, that's, that's really cool. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. You know? And then, you know, who knows what the hell is going to be built at the end of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's a journey, right? Like, you yeah. walk down until the path ends. And if it ends, right. you just, you know, hey, you cut a new one. Yeah. But, and, like, I think a lot of people worry, too, about, like, the money thing. And it's like, because eventually that's going to come up, you know. But, like, like now I, I use it. And, like, Jeff has this same mindset, too. And I, I kind of agree with it. And I go back to that book, the you are a badass and making money. It's like, I started using a mantra that she talks about, uh, and like making money energy. Mm -hmm. So like you create a mantra of like, like energy flows to me, like money flows to me easily. Right. So I always had like that mantra and like, uh, I use that and now I kind of look at it as a tool 
to use to get the things out like what's on my what's on my vision board a lot of it's travel right well that's going to cost the money so i need the money to flow to me to be able to you know do that you know or do like other things i want to do so like you know but the most important thing is it creates freedom and i think freedom is like the most important thing 100 percent. yeah because yeah. i felt like a slave to the post office well you were uh, yeah a wage slave yeah right right totally so you know and you know the bartending to me didn't really feel like work because like i'd go in there and i would just kind of like dick around you know what i mean mm-hmm. It was just fun to me because, like, you know, my, like my coworkers, I would just, I'd talk a lot of shit to them. They would talk shit to me, you know. <laughs> it was just, it's just, you know, silly. So it didn't feel like work to me, and I was pretty good at it. So, like, but I, I kind of draw parallels between uh, being behind the bar and, like, business, right? So I don't know if you've ever, I mean, you live really way out here. But uh, I bartend at Wrestler's Roost in high-volume restaurant. We probably do, in, in March for spring training, I mean, we, we do probably 50, oh, close to 2,000 dinners a night. Mm-hmm. you know and we don't even open till like 4 5 wow so like we're a dinner restaurant and we just we just high volume right so you're behind the bar and your bar is full and we're this this restaurant was built in 71 so like it's kind of set up to failure like the girl the, the cocktails and the servers don't get their own sodas or or water or anything you know like we do that for them mm-hmm. so you got tickets running up you know what i mean you got customers waiting on you you know what i mean it's just chaos right so you have to remain calm you know, you have to keep on, keep up the, you know, you can't put a stressed look on your face. You know, you just got to keep pushing through no matter what. You're going to have people who are pissed off. They've been waiting a long time. They're not getting their stuff fast enough. Um, you know, servers need their stuff fast enough in order to make money. So you got to be efficient, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, it's just crazy that like, I feel like being in that for so long in an environment like that of chaos and still being able to remain calm because I'm like just a calm dude anyway, um, I think is crucial to uh, what I do in the future. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, you have to have that calmness about you when the shit hits the fan in the business world, because, yeah. like you said, now you're in the room or you're in the realm of people who have to hunt for everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to come to you, right? You're not going to have people coming up to the bar asking, right, "Hey, right. give me this." Yeah, you got to go find those people, right? Right. Yeah. So what's that experience like? That's probably the biggest difference. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would say so. I didn't really think of it like that, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Have you had trouble? Um, uh, sort of getting to this place where you consider yourself to be an entrepreneur. I know off mic, we were talking a little bit about this. I was yeah. like, Hey man, you have a particular way I want, you want me to introduce yeah, you. Yeah. Like, do you want me to introduce you as an entrepreneur? And you're right. like, Hmm, not sure how I feel about that yet. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, like if you look at my background, I mean, te- <clears throat> technically I haven't done anything yet. You know, maybe that's a bad way to look at it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do I think I have like tendencies of being an entrepreneur? Like, Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like the parallel I was just talking about with bartending. Like, I think I'm definitely capable and it's definitely always been on my mind, mm-hmm. but I feel like, is it wrong to call myself an entrepreneur right now? Maybe, you know what I mean? Until I have the, you know, the success to show it. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe that's a wrong way to look at it, but uh, it's definitely something to think about. Well, maybe the question, better question is like, does earning the money, is that the trigger that suddenly makes you an entrepreneur, right? Because at this yeah, point in, in time, you're providing a service, you own a business, mm-hmm. you have a partner, right? And you're you're doing projects. Right. So whether or not you've got the mansion on the hill, right, right. I mean, come on, right? Like, you know, what does yeah. that actually mean to someone who doesn't really care about material yeah, things? I, mean, I guess it's subjective, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, so what do you want? To, what do you want to, um, you know, turn? Um, Vapor Swift into like what's your ultimate long range plan uh, for the business itself? Kay and I are definitely on the same page with this. Not only do we want to, you know, do the because like you know you've been in the marketing. We, we kind of talked about it, like how important marketing is, 
especially this day and age. Um, but video, I mean, video is also important, but like, if you're just going to make the video, it's like, how's it going to get eyes on it? Mm -hmm. Right. So I think you got to group the two together. And I think eventually when we want to get to a point where we're more of like an agency where we can offer the video production, but we're also going to get eyes on it too. Yeah. So it's almost like two different services combined to one if it's wanted. Mm. But then on the other side of things, it's like, all right, well, if you don't want the video production, then okay, we can just do the marketing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think from a business perspective, it's just, it's just nice to have those options for revenue coming in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you want to sort of compartmentalize it mm -hmm. and make it like you can provide multiple services, not just the video, but the video is a part of more of a, a grander marketing scheme. Right. I think that's where I want to go. Cause like, I, I think like video for me, you know, it's been around a while. I always had that interest and like now I'm, I think I'm getting a little bit more clear on things. I think like for me, uh, it's a tool, you know, for me to do other things. Cause there, that's the always thing. Another thing about me is I've always wanted to do like a lot of other things. You know what I mean? I just have a lot of interest, you know what I mean? Not just film. Um, and so maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe that's the entrepreneur mindset right there. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> wanting to do like other, other things. But, um, have you taken the, the wealth dynamics test? Wealth dynamics. I don't think so. I thought we might. Have, I don't know if we talked about that when you were on Feed Me, Feel Me, but uh, that's one of those things that uh, Mike Bledsoe was told us when we went out there mm -hmm. um, and did the show with him. Uh, so it basically tells you like what kind of like what your mind, what you like, what type of entrepreneur like you fall into. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you got your creative, you got your more analytical, and like it goes deep. It's like a thirty-five page document, and it only takes like fifteen minutes, like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, so we all took it to see like where we fall under. So you have like your primary and your secondaries and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I knew I was like, I'm going to get creative, whatever. And uh, it came out and uh, mine came out as as star. And this was, I was like, wait, what? So like, it, it gives you, I got to reread the document. There's a lot of information in there, but like, it gives you people who like fall under that category. Mm -hmm. So like the first one for star, like Oprah. And then like you're, you kind of look at it and you're like, what, like, what, like, how did, how did, do I relate to this? You know? But, um, so I reflect on that and, uh, I'm getting to a point where like things are shifting in terms of like, you know, being behind camera. Well, now I'm doing a lot more stuff in front of camera and I'm getting really comfortable with it. And it's like, all right, well maybe, you know, the star thing, you know, there, maybe there is truth to this, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I'm like exploring that right now. I don't know where it's going to lead to, you know what I mean? Um, I think right now one of the things that's kind of like popping up is, you know, Jeff and I are uh, kind of cross promoting each other on Instagram, social media. Mm -hmm. So I think, I feel like building a personal brand along with, you know, the company as well at the same time is kind of, it's kind of just what you do now. You know what I mean? But yep. uh, I think that'll open doors. So I, I would have never thought about even being more active, like in that way on my personal Instagram account and like being in front of camera and stuff, but it's been fun, you know? Yeah, I think it's important as long as you're consistent with it. I think right, a lot right. of people jump in and think they're going to have some sort of immediate success with it. They're going to, you know, amass all these followers right, and, right. you know, be able to, you know, affiliate sell, <laughs> you know, some random crap off of Amazon. Right. But the reality of it is, is we are in a land grab. We're in a, in a modern day land grab for electronic space. Mm. And so if you look at it from the standpoint of, look, I'm going to stake my claim now mm. and I'm going to be consistent with it over a longer period of time. The people who are coming up now just take it for granted. Right, right. You know, it's not something that they see as a tool for anything other than just, you know, sharing what they had for eat, what right. they had to eat or, right. you know, what they what they did with their friends. Mm -hmm. But if you understand what it was before, like, and, and you're old enough to know what it was before all yeah, this, yeah. then you can see the potential long term, whether right, it's right. sitting on a domain or, you know, whether it's having a profitable account or, a, you know, lots of eyes on accounts those things matter. Those are assets that, you, that can be monetized if you have a relationship with the list. Right. 
but so many people miss the piece of having the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think what's happening right now, we're seeing a shift to authenticity. Oh yeah. You know, maybe you've seen that as well. Oh yeah. Like I, I don't even care about like really the followers, you know what I mean? I think the, the, I actually like, I don't know if you've seen like what me and Jeff been doing, like with the swimming on, on Thursdays, we've been making videos out of those. Like, I just, I just think it's fun. Yeah. I saw a few of them. Yeah. It's just fun. You know what I mean? Like, uh, cutting that together and uh you know i don't i don't expect anything really like in terms of like like money or anything coming out of it like we're just doing it to like for business purposes like mm-hmm. i think it can help in the future but it's also fun I'm doing it because it's fun totally but I, I think like doing it from a business perspective though is a lot more healthier i think than just scrolling and i i've i've been accustomed to that like i i'll admit that i'm kind of addicted to my addicted to my phone and it's like i hate it you know what i mean i would love to delete all social media but i think from the from a business perspective like you, you need it i think so too you yeah. know what i mean yeah it's kind of like a it's like a calling card really yeah you know if someone really wants to creep you they can and they right. can you know build rapport with you with you out actually not having to be there mm-hmm. which is sort of the leverage you get from video yeah. you know at the end of the oh, day yeah. if you're able to you know, leverage yourself, leverage your message multiple times over, mm-hmm. which I think one is, that's probably the, my biggest interest in wanting to create video for the businesses that I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. Right. And so to that end, like, so what are some of the things that, you know, maybe the little guy that doesn't really know that much about video can do to sort of set themselves up to create some decent looking video? Obviously it's not going to be as good as what you guys are producing, but yeah. what can, what can the average person do to, to, uh, you know, create something that looks good, you know, that mm-hmm. like, that, uh, you know, can represent well, I guess you'd say. Yeah. I mean, I think the time we live in now, is just kind of crazy. Like I'm one of those people who is kind of like, I would tell kids to not go to college, you know, obviously unless you're going to be like a doctor or a lawyer, but like something like video, there's so many different sources out there now. And like the technology, the thing about the technology is it's gotten, I mean, camera equipment's not cheap, but it's way more affordable than it used to be, sure. right? You can get some really good equipment for, you know, without spending freaking you know, over 10 grand on a camera, you know what I mean? On a camera, mm-hmm. like, like um, you can start out small. Cause like I dealt with this in the beginning too. Like I worried about, oh, I need to get this camera. I need to get that camera, right? It, it honestly doesn't matter in the beginning anyway. Cause if you can't make good shit on a shitty camera, then you're not going to make good shit on a high-end camera. Yeah. It's like that old, uh. A quote was that tis a poor craftsman who blames his tools. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, dude, YouTube's at your disposal. It's free. There's a lot of really popular guys on there that I, I list, I watch now. Like Peter McKinnon is a big one. Everybody watches what he's got going on. Um, there's a guy, his name's Matt. Uh, he was on Gary Vee recently and I, he's, what's it? I can't pronounce his last name. It starts with a D like Matt Dilla, Dilla, Dova or something like that. He created the, uh, he's kind of, a minimalist mm-hmm. uh, videographer now. Um, he actually did that minimalist documentary on, I think it's on Netflix. Okay. I haven't got to see it yet, but I didn't know that he was the one that produced that uh, documentary, but um, he's kind of good to watch. Um, he, he was one of those dudes who, you know, he kind of was running himself into the ground. He was, he had a lot of client clientele, but he, you know, he had like a $30,000 red camera, which is what they use for like big time movies. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he, he decided that he was going to, uh, you know, cut down, like save some time, you know what I mean? And just have like a few high paying clients because what that does is he was able to make the same amount of income, but also have that time, that freedom that we kind of talked about. Sure. You know what I mean? And that's like something seeing that I was like, I like where that's, I like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause that I, again, working for the post office, like that's why I value the freedom. And like, I'll, I'm always like, I always put health first cause if you're not taking care of your body, you know what I mean? Then nothing else matters. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, I always, 
want to create that freedom to be like, yeah, let's do the work, you know, what we got to do. But then, you know, there's got to be some time in there to play a little bit and like, you know, where there's no work involved and you're just like, you know what I mean? So that really vibed with me when he said that, mm. you know, so learning to sort of outsource more or collaborate yeah, more with yeah, other people yeah, definitely. has been a huge well, thing. Well, it's like, you know, it's really big right now. Like you see it in all the popular guys, Gary V, Tom Bilyeu. It looks like these dudes haven't slept in like Oh, Tom Bilyeu especially. Right? Man. Oh yeah. Yeah. His and it's like, like puffy it's like, shit. I get, it's like, I get the hustle, but like, <clears throat> but like if you, if it's damaging your health, like what, why does it matter? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we had a, I'm not going to say a name, but we had somebody on Feed Me, Feel Me that like was in the hospital and they were like telling him that he had to, you know, kind of relax a little bit, but he's so big on being that entrepreneur, you know, like, you know, got to put in 20 hours a day mm-hmm. that like he was in the hospital and it's like, dude, like how is that helping you? Right. You know what I mean? Like I understand the hustle, but it's like, it's got to get, there's, you know, I think homeostasis, man, like if your body's out of homeostasis, what happens? You get disease, right? Right. If same thing with the planet, like everything's connected. So like anything that's out of balance is, is just not good. So that's like one of those things I took us on is just balance of everything. Totally. Yeah. I mean, humans are designed for rest. I mean, rest and movement, not just one or the other. Unfortunately we have the extremes, right? Right. But yeah, the hustle culture is, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's bullshit really Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. I think for me personally, I'm, I'm more like you. I'm like, we should hustle, but we should hustle for a purpose. Right. I see somebody like a Gary Vee and I, I know he's hustling because he loves what he's doing. Right. Like, just like if I were doing something dangerous, like mm-hmm. maybe I'm a skydiver or a cliff jumper, mm-hmm. right? That could kill me. Right. But I'm loving what I'm doing. Right. 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 right? He's probably killing himself, but he's loving what he's yeah. doing. Well, he also so wants to buy the jet. So in order to do that, you kind of have to have a net worth of a lot. Yeah. It's got to be up there. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, the ability to collaborate with, with, with some folks, right? Right. But yeah, it's, uh, it's funny to watch, you know, when I pick up my phone and I flip on social media and I'm seeing meme after meme, after Mm -hmm. meme, after meme, after meme, after meme, it's like, it's becoming one of your societal timelines. Right. right, right. Okay. Well now I'm on Instagram. So the next thing I should do is (laughs) post a meme about hustle. Right. right, right. (laughs) That shit gets so old and played out. It's like unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. Don't show me that shit again. I think things evolve so fast. I mean, and that's, what's crazy about the marketing and like, I don't know, you've been in it a while and you've probably seen the shifts. But like, I'm curious, you know, for people that claim they're a marketing expert right now, I feel like technology and things shift so fast that like, it's just, it's always changing. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. Yes and no. Right. Like, so if we look at it from like, from a fitness standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Like the human body still has two arms, two legs, you know, five digits at at the end of each appendage. Right. So like your body hasn't really changed a lot. Same thing with your psychology. Your psychology hasn't really changed a lot over the evolution of Mm. humanity. Mm -hmm. But what has changed a lot is our ability to produce technology that outpaces us. Yeah. So the technology has outpaced our ability to actually deal with some of the technology. So when we're talking about marketing in today's world, we're not really talking about different psychology. We're talking about learning a tool. Mm. The psychology is the same no matter which tool that you're on. Okay. Right. So a headline is a good headline is still a good headline. Right. 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 A good, a good image is still a good image. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But how do I deliver that? Well, that's the Mm -hmm. question. Okay. Yeah, for sure. That's what I've seen at least, um, in some of my stuff. And you know, when you pixel people, you can tell like what works and what doesn't work. Right. Right. So it's kind of easy to see. All right. Well, this traditional headline didn't work or did work compared with this uh, image did work or didn't work. Yeah. Same psychology. Yeah. It still works. Right. So yeah, there's, there's that aspect of it, but, um, I don't think it's as complex as people make out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to your point, uh, earlier, you know, you kind of want to 
not fall in into the line of someone else's thinking, mm-hmm. this thing that your mom taught you. And so one of the tools, which I think I showed you off mic is anyone who's trying to sell you something, right. go to their business page. And on the left hand bottom, bottom left hand side, you can see ads and info. Just click on that. You can see if they're even running ads. Okay. You can see if they're actually doing what they say that you should be right. doing. Right. And if they're not, it's like, okay, just shut up yep. at that point in time. But yeah, it's, it's, it can, I think it can be, I think it's evolved into a kind of a dirty game because everybody wants to sit behind a keyboard and not actually make a phone call and think that they're going to get rich. Right. No, I definitely see that a lot. You know, I'm very skeptical of some, I mean, I haven't seen it a lot lately pop up, um, whether it's like somebody promoting some kind of Amazon thing or, you know, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's tricky out there. It is tricky out there. That's why I think like having a a foundation of something that's not commercial, like your, your personal Instagram, Mm -hmm. for example, your personal Facebook, where you're actually providing value gives people an anchor. It's like, okay, Okay. well this guy actually gives a shit. Right. So maybe, you know, maybe I should consume his information because not only does he give a shit, but this is valuable to me in the Mm -hmm. moment. Right. And my psychology is telling me, Hey, this is something that I need. Right. It matches up with his message. Therefore, I'm going to consume it. Right. And then we're off to the races. It's, it's energetic, right? Yeah, like yeah, matching definitely. up, definitely. matching up with, with someone's need. Right. Yeah. And you touched on this uh, before we got on the mics, right? Um, energy, mm-hmm. which is something that uh, you said that you've recently discovered is, yeah. is very important to your life. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think the energy thing was present before I realized it. I just think the alcohol covered it up. <laughs> I was one of those things the alcohol covered it up, dude. Um, yeah, I honestly, I think so the energy stuff, I started feeling it. I didn't know what it was. And I think that was right the time I was moving out here because I had adopted, uh, and I, this is what I, I credited to really. I, I mean, obviously I don't say, I don't, I don't really have any or like scientific stuff to present to you to kind of like prove it, but like, Oh, well in that case, but, uh, about it, but like I went, I went cold Turkey. I went like completely plant-based five years ago. Okay. Was it five years ago? Yeah. It's been a while, but, um, when I did that is when I kind of, and then like, obviously I was eating better, but it, like the alcohol wasn't, you know, I would still drink once in a while, but not even anything close to where like what I was doing back then. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Now I barely ever drink, but, um, I didn't know what it was I was feeling until a little bit later. I got some insight into, which I'm sure we'll dive into when I did my ayahuasca experience. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, met Chris and all them, you know what I mean? Uh, and then even just recently I got some more, uh, insight into it, but, uh, I started also having like lucid dreams, which if you don't know what that is, basically the best way I can explain it is like, I have constant lucid dreams where I know that it's not my reality, but I'm there and like every, each one's different. It just depends. Sometimes there's people there I'm friends with that are present. You know what I mean? And I had one, uh, like pretty much come true and it's like super crazy. Really? Oh yeah. That's amazing. I mean, a friend of mine, basically it was, it was, dude, it was like, like nine months to a year. I had, well, I had this dream like in, like in, in the future. Right. Yeah. So I didn't talk to her for a while. Like when I moved out here, we were in the same massage therapy program. Uh, we're still really good friends. Keep in touch. Um, she had been married for like 14 years. She got divorced. And then, uh, this, this all happened like really fast. She met some dude, um, who lived, she's in Southern Ohio. He was in North Carolina and, uh, hopefully she's cool with me telling this story because <laughs> it should be a book, dude. I'm telling we you. don't know her name. So. Um, but anywho, uh, so, you know, she, I remember her like hitting me up the day that like they met, she was, cause she's like a massage therapist. She's into the energy thing as well. Um, she was just, I could just tell she was head over heels for this dude. she was like talking about like their energy and all this stuff. And 
she would, you know, she's got two kids from the previous marriage. This guy has a daughter and like, he's, he was like her type, which is like a mountain man. Right. So he was building a cabin up in the woods of like North Carolina, (laughs) North Carolina and stuff. But she would go up there and like spend the summer with them and stuff like that. Um, and like, I didn't really hear much from her at the, at that time. So I have this, which was weird because I had that dream. I'm like, I haven't even talked to her in like so long, but in, in the dream that I had, like I was in this like cabin and there's a guy who's, he's got like a bottle of whiskey though. Um, he's drunk. And then like, all I see is her like looking at me, like screaming for help. Right. And then there, but the thing that was weirder was like, there was like a baby there and I'm like, who, like, why is there a baby? You know, like, I don't really understand. So I woke up that morning. I'm like, dude, that was weird. Really weird. So I shoot her a message and I'm like, Hey, you know, I, I didn't like tell her right away. I was just like, Hey, you know, what's up? Just wanted to catch up, like see how you are. And she comes back she's like, Oh, I'm doing really great. You know, me and so-and-so are, uh, um, doing really well. She's like, Oh, and I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm like, Shh, well, there explains the baby, I guess. <laughs> So like, you know, everything was good then. So like fast forward, she has the kid, you know, nine months later, whatever, maybe 10, something like that. And she messages me. She's like, Hey, she's like, um, you know, I remember you told me about that dream. Uh, you know, I want to know what happened. And I was hesitant because like it was, ne- it was a negative thing. So I didn't want to tell her, you know what I mean? Especially if it was nothing, you know? Right. right. And she's like, you know, I, some time went by. So at the t- I was like, you know, whatever, I'll tell her. So I told her and the guy, the guy, he didn't drink alcohol. He wasn't an alcoholic, but he did do a 180. And like, it became this crazy thing where he was trying to like sabotage her, get custody of the kid. And like everything just went fucking wild. Wow. Yeah. So like, I basically predicted this way before it happened, before she even had the kid. And, uh, that was like the moment where I was like, oh shit. That's crazy. Yeah. So I I have lucid dreams like that all the time. It's crazy. And they come true like that. Um, you've had, have you had others do that same thing? I, I don't want to, I had one the other day (laughs) that I don't want to say because like, can keep all your wet dreams to yeah, yourself, brother. Yeah, but I do need to start writing them down because, like, I, I haven't, I, I, I don't write them down, and I should because I'll forget. It, yeah, you know that's crazy, man. But yeah, but but the craziest thing is like when I when I have them, like I'm very aware that it's not this reality. Mm. So, so have, have, I, I have that separation when I'm in the dream. Really? Yeah. So have you had that same experience at any point when you're doing a meditation? Um, when I do, when I do meditate, like when I like do the manifestation and stuff like that, when I'm really into it, mm-hmm. I definitely feel, uh, I can feel the activation, um, in my pineal gland, like where the, uh, uh, where like the MT releases, mm-hmm. I could feel it. It's very active. Really? Yeah. And then even when, uh, I don't know if you listened to the episode, but we had Layla on who she does like Reiki and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And this is like what I'm talking about recently, getting more insight into the energy thing. Like just, just talking to her. Um, she gave me a session of Reiki and she was like, we were done, you know? And I, I felt like I was pretty present the whole time. You mm-hmm. know, I had some visions like while I was on her table, you know, um, almost like I was traveling down like the different chakras and stuff. She was like, you know, were you, were you present? I was like, I mean, I thought I was, but she was like, nah. And she's like, most people that lay on my table, you know, I have to like, I don't know if she's talking about the soul or whatever, mm-hmm. but she's like, she's like, you know, I have to kind of like be like, oh no, it's okay. You can go. You know, she's like, you were just like out. She's like, you were just like, nope, I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh, that's interesting. So like she was giving me some, some pointers on like where to go and like, like dive into it more. And I've, I've had that urge for a while. Um, my ayahuasca experience gave me some more, you know, info into the energy thing too. And I think maybe... I've just been kind of putting it off because it's like one of those things that's hard for probably most people to understand. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, uh, cause I'm still trying to understand it sure. and like see like where I'm at and like what I can do with it. You know what I mean? But I can definitely feel other people's energy as soon as I walk into a room, you know, 
maybe if it's like positive, negative, I can tell if like something bad's going on with someone, even mm-hmm. if their facial expressions isn't showing it. Yeah. But you can also tell a lot by a person just by looking in their eyes. Like oh. if some shit's going wrong, you know what I mean? Totally, dude. Totally. Yeah. I think most people have that ability, but mm-hmm. they choose to not tap into it. I think humans in general are very distant from that kind of stuff just because of the society mm-hmm. we live in. We, we are not like when it comes to nature, we're so, we're so like, I don't know what happened that we got so separated, but we're definitely separated. Yeah. There's a, there's a great graphic uh, that they put out at the size seminars. Basic It's kind of like landmark. If you're familiar with them. Yeah. I've done landmark actually. Okay, cool. So there's this great graphic where they talk about the, uh, the conscious, the subconscious and the superconscious. And how most human beings are living on the conscious level. Mm-hmm. Like you and I are looking at one another, right? right? Right. And I can look in your eye and I can sort of get a sense for where you're at. Mm-hmm. But the minute you open your mouth, you break that because now we're on the surface level. Mm-hmm. So if we're walking down the street, we're having this surface level conversation. Right. Surface, 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 surface. So that's why we do a lot of exercises on silence. So okay. When we do an exercise on silence, it forces me to actually tune into what you're thinking and the energy that you're putting mm-hmm. out. It's really kind of cool. Actually, I have a, there's a girl I know. She's kind of in that energy realm too. She was, she went to like a class they have at, I forget where it's at, but uh, you can go there. They do different things. And she said they had to do this thing where like they got a partner and they weren't allowed to talk or anything. They just had to uh, look at each other for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then like when time was up, uh, they had to like just spit out like whatever's on their mind, like without thinking. And like the girl was uh, she, she was, uh, you know, just saying these random words and she said it was weird, but it was actually the word she was saying was what the other person was actually thinking. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So So it was like a, it was just like a little practice, like a little uh, drill to kind of show like how connected people actually are. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We did something similar, uh, at a seminar I went to, you had to sit like, you know, with someone Mm. and the one person would bring someone to mind that they were thinking of. And the other person had to write down what they were thinking. Okay. And more often than not, the person would be very accurate as to what that person was either feeling, if they had a disease, if they had a particular, you know, sort of physical trait or mm-hmm. glasses or something. It was amazing how, how right people were because you would think that, you know, of all the random possibilities that, hey, there's no way this would be spot on. Right. But it's just not true. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, got, it's some cool stuff, man. I, I love that. I love all that stuff. Um, the ayahuasca experience now was like... Now, did you get visions uh, with, yeah, your, man. with your ayahuasca experience? So, like, for those people who don't know, we've never, like, seen, like, watched an ayahuasca experience or, like, seen, like, <laughs> what goes on. Like, generally, um, you know, people, when they when they have their experience, they go through a fear, right? They're shown a fear they might not realize that they actually have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in the beginning of the experience, it might not be all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Right. But then like you get past that and then like you feel good, right? Um, we drank three days in a row. The first two nights I didn't actually go under. Maybe I was fighting it subconsciously. I don't really know. Maybe I didn't drink enough of the of the tea. But uh, the third night definitely had my experience. And I felt kind of bad because like, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I skipped the bad part. You know what I mean? I went straight <laughs> to the good. But like, um, so I mean, you didn't have to, you're referring to the purge. Like you didn't have to. Purge oh no, no, no. I puked my ass off. <laughs> Danny page is the only, you know, Danny. Yeah. Danny's the only one that didn't. And like that dude's got an iron stomach. Cause like, I don't know how he didn't like throw up. Cause he was to my left. AJ was to my right. AJ had a really rough time. He pretty much puked out his soul. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah. So like, I remember, you know, I, the last night, the third night, I was very, that was the last night, you know, I had to have my experience because, like, if I didn't, then, like, you know, 
shit, you know? Yeah. So I got the grande, you know, I, I, I took the big gulp, um, <laughs> which I didn't do the first two nights, which I don't know why I should have just went big, you know? Um, so I, I hold, I hold it in as long as you can. That's what you want to do. It gets really hard to do that. Um, so like when I purged is when I like it hit me instantly mm. that night and I laid down, I remember laying down, but as I was laying down, it was like weird. Like you just, the best way I can explain it is like you leave your body, right? Your body doesn't exist at all. It's just your mind. So like mentally I, I kind I knew who I was mentally, you know what I mean? But I it, basically I'm floating through, I, I don't know what you want to call it. Like the, the spiritual realm or like, I, I don't know. I, it, there's no, there's no words in the English language that I could use to really describe it. Cause like you're just seeing shit that like you don't see on a daily basis. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of colors, you know, I'm floating through and, uh, in my mind though, I just, for some reason at that time I, I was like, what's my purpose? You know what I mean? Now after doing like all those podcasts and listening to certain people talk, it's like, I don't know if there's one particular purpose for anybody. Maybe we can do a bunch of different things. You know what I mean? Um, but at the time, you know, that was what I was kind of focused on. Right. So I'm floating through and, uh, you know, I kind of was starting to lose that mindset of the purpose thing. And like, cause I was just intrigued by what I was seeing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, being such a calm person in general, I don't know if maybe, maybe, maybe that's why, like, it didn't seem like a fear to me because like, you know, I'm just super calm with it. I don't know. But, uh, I feel this rush of like cold air, you know? Cause like I said, AJ was having a bad time. And if we're talking about energy, everybody's got energy and like, I can feel that shit. Right. So AJ's struggling. This cold air comes in. I remember like thinking like, I got to help AJ. So I like, I, I, it didn't feel like I was sitting up, you know what I mean? But yeah. like, I'm pretty sure I sat up, I'm guessing. Cause like I started to move and I had like this whole like focus of like helping AJ. So like it got to the point where for me, I was seeing different energies in the room the negative energies were like really big black like clouds mm-hmm. and like the good energy was like a lot smaller, you know, but it got to the point where like everybody like in my group, like I was just like protecting everybody. Mm. It was really crazy. And, uh, probably the most confident I've ever been in anything in my life. But what were you protecting them from though? The negative energy. Okay. Surrounding them. Gotcha. Cause like the whole air came in and like the one, like it started off with AJ, this like dark cloud was like hovering over. Okay. Yeah. I see. So I was like getting rid of the clouds, the dark ones. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, when I, you know, after that experience, I was just like, I don't know what to take away from that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I still reflect back on it and that was like over two years ago. So like, that's why I want to do it again. I think Jeff and Durs and I are going to go. Um, but I, I definitely want to do it again because I just, anytime you experiment with DMT, apparently like each one's different, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Cause obviously you're going to be at a different mindset, different, just a different time different than you place were in life. Yeah. The previous time. So like, um, yeah, I'm interested to see, like, compare the two, like, do it again. Because mm. I'd be, I wouldn't be looking for, like, what's my purpose, what's my purpose. It would just be, like, you know, I just surrender to it and, just like, show me whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's cool, man. So, uh, what was your biggest takeaway from that experience, you think? Um, for me, I think it was, like, um, I think it goes to, like, that balance of energy, right? Mm-hmm. Light and dark. Uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, I think have more darkness than the lightness, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I, I think what I took away from that was, um, being the light to other people and kind of like helping get rid of some of that darkness in people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Cause I'm at a point right now where like internally, like I talked about like intern, like, like happiness and being internal. Mm-hmm. I keep things like really simple, right? Like if is in as long for me, like personally, like as long as I just like, you know, I have food to eat, you know, I've got shelter over my head. Like I, I'd keep it that simple. Like I'm happy now, any success or like anything afterwards is I'm good. Right external shit don't matter you mm, know what i mean so amazing. i really focus on that that internal that 
you know, internal stuff. And I think comedy comes with that. You know what I mean? Cause I'm, like I said, like I talked about it on Phoebe Feel Me, dude, like, you know, Durs and Jeff want me to do like stand up, but that's a whole nother animal because like, I love cracking jokes. I love talking shit. You know, like I listen to a lot of like stand up comedians and just comedic things. Cause like, I think when, you know, like it's cliche, they say laughter's medicine, but like, like there's nothing better than just like laughing. You know what I mean? That'll take away everything. You know, or giving somebody the gift of laughter, right, 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 like a comedian would, yeah, right, yeah, that's amazing, yeah, because I feel like a lot of people don't laugh enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're always worried all the time, and like, you know, the the when you can get good like internal, like your internal environment, when that's good, like you eliminate stress, which what does stress do? Throws you off out. You know, if you worry about everything, you're not in homeostasis, so that's where like disease and everything can come in. Mm-hmm. So it's like I never let myself get to a point or let myself stress really about anything. You know. And, uh, I think like, that's just the key, like balance is the key to everything. So that's kind of like my focus and my mindset now currently. That's beautiful. Yeah. Man. That's beautiful. So at this point in your life, what does success look like to you? Um, for me, just being free to basically do whatever I want. Um, from like a money standpoint, there's not like a number, like, you know, I used to want to be, oh, I want to be a millionaire. You know what I mean? But like, I mean, obviously there's a point where everybody comes to, it's like, you're going to reach a point like of money where like it, it, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I only need enough really to just be able to like, if I can travel, you know, and just, you know, do my own thing and just have fun, just actually live instead of just like existing. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's successful to me. That's beautiful. So there's not like a, there's not like a number of income. There's not, you know, I just keep it simple, dude. Dude, I love it. Yeah. I love it, man. So before I ask my last question, tell these folks where they can connect with you online. Uh, business wise, uh, vaporswithmedia.com, uh, Instagram uh, at Vapors with Media. Uh, personal accounts are I just got a new a new business page for Facebook, so it's just Justin Maxim, and then my Instagram personal Instagram handle is at Justin under two underscores Maxim. Beautiful, beautiful. And, uh, I'll be uploading a lot of content there, just random like whatever. Like me and Jeff went to we do the swimming every Thursday. We always cut like Instagram stories for that, and then uh, we uh, went to a mobility seminar out there at Glory Gains Gym. Really nice gym actually. Uh, over the weekend, so. It's like little stuff like that, man. We got some traveling dates coming up. Jeff's about to launch a new company. So mm-hmm. I'll be doing like all his uh, video stuff. Uh, he's getting in the in the gaming world. So yeah. uh, there's a convention here in June that in LA that we might go to where you can pass out some samples and stuff. So that's going to be a good time. I get, I'm excited for that, dude. Very cool, man. Yeah. Very cool. Dude, so last question is simply this. What does wellness look like to you? I put health as a pretty big priority. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, if you're, I think we take things for granted. Like I, I injured my back, uh, December, 2017, pretty bad to the point where I was like in pain for a while. Like I couldn't even put on shoes, like putting on shoes was hard. And it, and it was one of those things where like, I let my ego get in the way at the time. Uh, my body was wrecked. I just did it work. I was doing too much. I was doing competitive programming, which really I, I had no business doing. Um, cause I had a lot of, uh, weaknesses and imbalances that needed worked on and, uh, ended up hurting my back. I still to this day don't know like what exactly I did, but I like, I should go get like a, I should go see what's going on back there. But I, I've, I've been able to like eliminate a lot of the pain because I started doing uh Marcus Philly's programming. Mm-hmm. So I'm in 3.0 right now. And just a lot of those imbalances I've been getting corrected and like the pain's been going away. And like, you know, I've cut, this is probably the most lean I've ever been. Um, so like, I just put that as a really high priority and really, uh, since that injury, I'm a lot more grateful for like what it means to actually be healthy and being able to do things, you know what I mean? And not having like, you know, if something's not working, like that's, that's rough, man. So, uh, definitely got to take care of your body because if you're not right, then I don't think anything else is going to be. 
It's so true, man. It man. starts starts with the physical. Yeah. Definitely. Dude, thank you so much for being on today. I picked up a lot of wisdom from you guys. Be sure and check out Justin Maxim. He's got a lot of value to offer. His videos are fantastic. He does great work. So peep him and we'll see you guys in the next episode of Hardwater Radio. Take care. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing. And by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike. And if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com or pick me up on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.